Well, it may surprise you, but I know very, very little about sheep. I know nothing of the different varieties or the, the right way to clip their hair in the summer to keep them cool or how to move flocks from one field to the other uh, or how to do something called worming lambs. I think I'm going to leave that to the professionals. I absolutely have zero desire to learn how to worm a lamb. Uh, and while I admittedly know very little about sheep, I at least know this. What sheep need more than anything else is someone to care for them. They need shepherds. But they, they don't just need any kind of shepherd. Right? They need good shepherds. Shepherds that recognize their needs and then work to meet them. And just as we saw this morning in Mark 6, and in our verse tonight, uh, our eyes are again going to be set on Jesus as our good shepherd, right? who in great compassion condescended to meet our greatest need when he bore our sins on Calvary. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn uh, in there to Ezekiel chapter 34. We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 34 tonight. As you turn there, let me just quickly catch you up to speed on the book of Ezekiel. So Ezekiel prophesies uh, to a nation in exile. And his message is primarily one of, uh, of judgment and despair. It's, it's a really bleak message that he's giving. God calls him to, to stand as a watchman over Israel. Uh, and he's threatening death for those who, per, who continue to persist in sin. Things get so bad uh, for this nation that, that God eventually removes his spirit, his presence from the temple leaving the land of Israel defiled because of their rampant unfaithfulness. And yet, in in chapter 34, where our verse falls tonight, the book begins to turn towards this promise of restoration and great hope for the presence of God once again to come rushing into the land and into the hearts of the people. And at the center of this restoration, at the center of this, this big rushing of God's presence, stands his covenant love, for his people. After spending the, the first nine verses of chapter 34 uh, condemning Israel's shepherds for failing to lead and to love and to care for their sheep, beginning in verse 10, God, God himself promises to shepherd Israel in all the right ways. Right? And, our, and in our verse in particular, God promises a coming day when his sheep will find themselves full and finally satisfied in God forever. So if you've, got, if you've got a Bible, we're just going to look at our verse, uh, Ezekiel thirty-four fourteen. If you don't have a Bible, you can find it on the back of that, that bulletin in front of you. This is, this is Ezekiel thirty-four fourteen. This is God speaking through the prophet Israel, uh, Ezekiel. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. So all I want to do tonight is just consider really two ways that this verse reveals God's tender love and care for us in Jesus Christ, and then kind of think through uh, a few implications for us as a church. So two points. Point number one, God will nourish his sheep. God will nourish his sheep. So as as we heard and thought about this morning, Uh, At the beginning of chapter 34, God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel and he condemns Israel's religious leaders for their failure uh, to to feed God's people. So it's only fitting that God, as as he kind of surveys the spiritual uh, 
uh, starvation and terrain of his people, uh, sets out not only to gather them back up, but to feed them. Which is precisely what we saw Jesus Christ doing for uh, his people in our text this morning. It's the exact same thing that we saw Jesus doing. Right? So it's in, it's in Jesus that the promises that we just read about in Ezekiel 34, 14 come true. It's where they finally find their fulfillment. When we were a helpless sheep without a shepherd, the God of heaven and earth launched a rescue mission for us, sending his son to save us from certain death so that we might feast on his abundant grace forever. Friend, if you are here tonight and you would not call yourself a Christian, let me say this to you before I say anything else. This rescue mission is what we call the gospel. God's word says that all of us like sheep have gone astray, that we've, that we've abandoned him to pursue our own desires, which leaves us condemned before a, a holy and a righteous God. And yet God, in his infinite love and mercy for his people, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to suffer the death that, that we deserved for our sin. And then he raised him from the dead, forgiving us and replacing the rap sheet of all of our wrongs with the righteousness of King Jesus, which is precisely what we need more than anything else. And, and while God freely offers all the righteousness we so desperately need to stand before God, it's only given to those who repent of their sins and place all of their hope in Christ. You do not turn from your desires and you do not trust in Jesus for your right standing. You still stand condemned. So friend, if you're here tonight and you would not call yourself a Christian, repent and rely on Jesus. It's in Christ alone that God nourishes and shepherds his lost sheep from death to life. UBC, as we seek to be that kind of church where we all labor together to, to shepherd one another home toward heaven, consider what you are nourishing one another with. Consider what you're feeding one another. What, what would you say as a member of this church is at the center of the relationships you have here? Is it Christ and what he's accomplished for us? Or, or do you typically find yourself rallying around something else? Perhaps a, a message of, of do, better, do better moralism, right? You're, you're talking more about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and going to work rather than reminding one, one another about the ability that, that we now have in the power of the Holy Spirit to fight sin and to walk in holiness. Consider the, the kinds of conversations you have with one another. Perhaps the, the, the hot topic of, of your talk is, is the, the latest amazing season of Stranger Things, right? Which is great. Or the state of Arkansas, state of Arkansas football, which is not so great, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with these things, but, but what would you say regularly marks what you talk about with members of UBC. If, if you did an inventory tonight of, of all the conversations you have with, with all the members of this church, what would the re- result say you spend your time feeding your brothers and sisters in conversation? Would, would the results turn up the things of this world or the things that are above? I'm not saying that we, we can't ever talk about these things, but the kinds of con- conversation that God's people ought to be having with one another, they ought to, be, they ought to sound deeper 
and more transparent and, and more theological in nature, precisely because of who we are, precisely because we are God's redeemed people. So like we saw Jesus do this morning, we, we ought to be quick to feed one another God's word. Right? It, we ought to, that, that ought to come out of our mouths quickly. Every time we open the word, whether it's in our corporate gatherings or our Sunday nights or in our one-on-one relationships, we're participating in soul-nourishing work. Right? We are doing the work of the good shepherd. We become, we become like little shepherds even, right? reflecting our chief shepherd, helping one another find our, our highest and our truest satisfaction in God and not in the things of this world. So, so church, UBC, let, let God's word be that distinguishing mark of your conversation, of your relationships as you seek to do spiritual good for one another. Well, it, it's God's life-giving nourishment of his sheep that leads to the second half of the verse in our, in our second point. So point number two, and much more quickly, God will, will give his sheep rest. Point number two, God will give his sheep rest. So the second, second half of the verse there, there they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. So here we, we see the effects that God's promise to feed his people will have on the people. They'll no longer worry about the threat of, uh, of, of wolves or, or bad sheep, shepherds. They'll no longer stray. They'll, they'll no longer look like those without a shepherd. They'll no longer be hungry. It's a picture of total satisfaction and the good shepherd's care and salvation. Right, but it's also a picture uh, of perfect rest. So notice in that verse where the sheep are. Notice, notice where they are. They're home. They're back in Israel. Right? They're abiding in the, the, the secure and, and, and perfect and quiet resting places that God's been promising them since day one. Right? Now, we spent a good time this morning talking about, uh, about rest. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to drill just a little deeper down. Right? The kind of rest the world tells us that we deserve is, is one that's inward and, and self-focused. Right? It's, a, it's ultimately about pleasing ourselves. But the kind of rest that the good shepherd achieves for us and achieves here in this verse uh, is one, it, it's not like that at all. Right? It's outward. It's other-focused. It, it's not about finding ultimately rest from our work necessarily, but about finding rest in the work of another. The sheep ultimately are resting in the work that the good shepherd has achieved for them. And yet we, we so often find ourselves absorbed in, in meeting our own felt needs that we end up missing the needs of others. Like the disciples uh, in Mark 6 that we thought about this morning, we, we work our 9 to 5. All right? We do the job that, that God has, has given us. We even do it faithfully. And we come home and what do we do? We punch out, clock out entirely, right? thinking that we're entitled at this point to just a little R&R. Right? We've done what God's asked us to, and now we get to rest the way uh, we need. Right? Anything God might, might call me to outside of my work hours are just going to inconvenience me. Right? We're, we're reluctant in those times to spend ourselves on others because we believe a li- we deserve a little me time. Right? Brothers and sisters, when this is the posture of our hearts, we fail. We fail to reflect 
the kind of rest our shepherd has already achieved for us. We, we end up looking more like those bad shepherds that get condemned at the beginning of the chapter right, than we do looking like, like the shepherd who has gone out of his way and given up his own body and broken his own body for our sake. Right? We, we, we end up feeding ourselves rather, rather than feeding others, fattening our stomachs, getting full on our desires and our pleasures while others go hungry. Church, be willing to inconvenience yourself for the sake of shepherding like Christ. Be willing to to let Jesus and faithfulness to God interrupt your idea of rest so that you can serve others, right? So So that you might work to relieve others just as the good shepherd has worked to relieve us. And take heart. Take heart when your rest doesn't go as you planned. Remember that this world is not our home finally, and the rest that it offers is not what we placed our hope in. We're exiles here. We do not belong here. We are longing and looking forward to the day when our good shepherd finally leads us into that land of perfect rest. No no longer wandering. No longer lost. Not, no longer no, not knowing where to go. Right? We, we will be in that land of perfect rest and we will lie down like sheep in the good grazing land of our God. Let the promise of that future rest in God ref- inform how you are resting now. Be deliberate, as we heard this morning and we thought about, about concentrating your rest on God and in his work. Delight yourself in his word. Delight yourself in his work. Delight yourself in prayer and in gathering with his people. Brothers and sisters, the day is coming when we will forever find ourselves full and completely satisfied in the work of our Good Shepherd. Even now, our Good Shepherd works to nourish us and to give you rest. And as he leads us home to that land of perfect, unfailing rest, might our shepherding of one another increasingly reflect his shepherding of us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you tonight for the Good Shepherd. We praise you tonight for for Jesus Christ and for his death, his resurrection, for his obedience to you. We praise you that that he stood condemned in our place so that we might enjoy the fruits and the work of his shepherding. Father, we pray that as a church you would help us to, uh, to labor like Christ, to shepherd one another in the way that he has shepherded us. That even though we are sheep and we are weak and frail, Father, we would, rem- you, we would remind one another who we are in you. That we are no longer lost, but that we belong to Jesus Christ. And now we have the, the privilege of, of, of leading one another into the land of rest. Father, help us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.